0: You are listening to the Dr. Michelle Corral Show. It is our prayer that as you listen to these podcasts, that you will receive your deliverance, breakthrough, anointing, and highest destiny. Our prayer is that your love for Jesus Christ be first in your life above all things. Now, here's Dr. Corral. Today, dear people of God, we are going to be speaking to you
1: about how God is going to take our painful situation, how he can take our pain and use it toward purpose in the kingdom of God. Really what God is in the great business of doing is taking a mistake and turning it into a miracle. I want to know if there's anyone here in this room that's ever made a mistake, something that you've done that you wish you could, you could turn around. Sometimes we make mistakes and we say, God, if I just could have made another decision, if I just didn't make that decision. Has anyone here ever felt guilty over a mistake that they've made? You know, guilt is something that we sometimes put upon ourselves and sometimes from making decisions in our life, we place the guilt upon us if we didn't make the the proper decision. If there is some reason for something to have turned out contrary to what we wanted it to turn out, we can oftentimes blame ourselves. And so the book of Ruth, one of the primary themes in the book of Ruth, is how God can take a mistake and use it for a miracle. Tonight we're also going to look at two supernatural secrets in the book of Ruth that are going to show us how God can do such great miracles. We saw here, we just read here in the book of Ruth, how Naomi, who was the mother of Malon and Kilion and the wife of Elimelech, how she experienced devastating loss in her life through her husband's indiscreet decisions. You know, sometimes we make decisions, and we wish we didn't make those decisions. Sometimes we make those decisions because we think at the time it's right, but later we find out the decision that we made was really not right. And so today uh, I want God's people to follow with me in the word of God, and we're going to see. The Bible says here very very clearly, The Bible says here very clearly that um, if we look at the word, the Bible is going to say she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord visited his people in giving them bread. Dear people of God, I want you to understand something. She had been stuck in a prison of pain. She'd been in a place where there was constant devastating loss, And the scripture here wants us to understand that God understands what it's like to live with loss. All right? Naomi, her background is given to us, not just so we know these things happened. Naomi's background is given to us so that we might understand that scripture is actually acknowledging and validating personal pain of those who have had to live with loss. Living with loss is not easy. Sometimes there's all various forms of loss. We can lose our mothers, lose our fathers. We can lose a job, lose a career, lose so many different things. Living with loss comes in various levels and in various forms. One of the things we need to understand is that no matter what type of loss we've ever experienced, we serve a God who is the God of a comeback. And we serve a God who's a God of restoration. And this entire book of Ruth is all about how God can bring restoration even after the worst devastation in our life. So the scripture goes into detail in the narrative it doesn't tell us what it doesn't tell us where they lived. It doesn't tell us Um, what part of Moab they actually went to. There are a lot of details that the scripture does not tell us. As a matter of fact, the scripture only wants us to understand that this is a situation that uh, Naomi has now, and, and really she is the featured person in the passage, that she has to live with the loss, number one, of leaving her land, Number two, of losing her reputation, number three of her husband's immediate death. And then right on top of that within a ten year period, two sons die, and there's no children to show for it. All right, so we have this excruciating um, this excruciating personal loss of Naomi that the scripture wants to bring us into. One of the reasons scripture brings these, uh, these things out in the narrative is it wants to validate every person who feels like there's no hope, who feels like there's never life after loss. I don't know if you've ever lost something, gone through something very devastating, but oftentimes the conclusion after we've gone through great losses is, will I ever get this back again? Has anyone ever said, will my life be ever go back to normal? Have you ever said that? Maybe you've gone through something and you've said, God, this thing has been so devastating. Will I ever go back to normal? Okay? Maybe normal wasn't so normal, but at least it's not like it is at this moment. Maybe you're in a very uncomfortable place. Maybe you're in a place you have to believe God every day just to live. Maybe you're in a place where the pain is so great that it's absolutely excruciating. And you want to beat yourself up because Maybe it's the result of a decision that you made, or maybe you wish you could have changed it. You wish you could have done something different. And that adds to that feeling of living with loss. Will I ever get my life back? But I want you to understand something about the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth was written so that you not only know there's life after loss. Touch your neighbor and say there's life after loss. But God is able to bring supernatural restoration after years of devastation. And you need to claim that right now in the name of Jesus. Say this with me. Father God, I thank you that in this service today, there is an anointing to take back territory. And I want to give you praise right now that God, you are giving me supernatural restoration after years of devastation. Can I get a witness somewhere? All right, now I want you to see something about Naomi. Naomi makes this decision to go back to the Holy Land after this place called Moab that has been a place where she has been living with loss year after year. It, It seems that every year, the losses continue to escalate, beginning with her husband, then with their wealth that is completely diminished because we know that Elimelech was a man of means. We know she was a woman of great position in Bethlehem. And we need to, first of all, understand that the Scripture does tell us why they went to Moab. It was a famine, and the reason they are going is not just to escape the famine. Escaping the famine, there's nothing wrong with that. But Elimelech was a judge. And as a judge, he had a responsibility with the wealth that he had to share that wealth with the other people who were suffering, his fellow man and the people he was responsible for in Bethlehem as a leader in Israel, to share what he has to save lives that he had the ability to save. But rather he chose to hoard what he had and hightail it to Moab with his family. And we see immediately upon his entrance in Moab, he dies. And within 10 years, his two sons die. Okay, this is actually devastating loss. All right, Naomi is not a young lady. She's not in her 20s, 30s, 40s. It seems to indicate in the text that she's a much older woman. And she now has to decide what she's going to do after all these massive losses. Is she going to stay and remain in Moab with her daughters-in-law, the only two people that she's really connected with in this world, with no children or grandchildren? Or is she going to go back to the Holy Land, back to Bethlehem, reclaim her territory, and face the people that are going to judge her? All right? You know, sometimes... We don't make the decisions we know we need to make because there are certain consequences that we know when we make those decisions that we have to face. Okay, sometimes if we know we have to tell someone something, we prayed about it, we know we're going to say it as kind as we can, we're not going to lash out or be unchristian, we're going to be very kind in the way we say it, but we know we have to say something. Or there are sometimes we have to do something. We don't want to do it but we know if we do do it, we're risking, okay? We're taking a step of faith. We're, we're, we're um, not going to be able to hold on to our security system that we thought was a security system because here Moab is a superficial security system that ends up in death and the scripture has written this so that we might understand the only hope and the only way to really get deliverance and to get your life back is to trust god completely and get yourself back into the will of god can i get a witness somewhere touch your neighbor and say neighbor let me tell you something No matter how difficult it is, get back into the perfect will of God. Get back into his perfect will. No matter what you have to do, just get back into the will of God. Start walking toward the visitation of God. Start walking toward the revival. Start walking toward the anointing. Can I get a witness somewhere? I want you to look and see. The Bible says here, if we go back to verse 6. Verse 6 says, um, the verse 6 says she arose with her daughters-in-law. So she's, she's originally planning on the daughters-in-law going with her. Okay, sometimes God, when we start to make a step, he allows us just a little bit to take some of those little crutches with us because he knows we still, we're still not strong enough to, take, to make the break all at once. And so in his mercy, his kindness, and his love for us because he knows human nature, And he doesn't expect perfection, all right? He just wants us to trust him. What's much more pleasing to God is to trust him for everything than to try to be a perfectionist. What's much more pleasing to God is to believe in the supernatural than to try to work it out yourself. What's much more pleasing to God is to believe God for the impossible. This is so pleasing to God. Put your hand up and say, God, help me believe you for the impossible. It's going to take all I've got to let go of my fear. But, God, i got to trust you for that which I cannot see. All right? So it's much more pleasing to God to trust him for the realm of the spirit, to trust him for the things that you cannot see. It's much more pleasing to God. To lean on him with everything you've got, than to try to work things out and be a perfectionist about it. All right, because sometimes those perfectionist behavior patterns can cause us mm, kind of to still to not do what God wants us to do. Okay, we have to wait till we see everything in place and all of our little duckies in a row, and we have to wait till everything just kind of conforms. And so we're gonna stay stuck longer. Touch your neighbor and say, "Make the break today." Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? Make the break today. Okay, make the break to trust God like you've never trusted God before and to believe God for the impossible. All right, so in the midst of trusting God and moving toward the supernatural, watch what the word says. It says, she arose with her daughters-in-law. That means she went up to another level. She rose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. Scripture is telling us that she arose, not just at that she stood up, but the scripture here is telling us she's going up from this low place because she decided to return. See, the moment we make a decision, things begin to break. Okay, as long as we stay stuck and we can't make that decision, we're going to stay stuck in that place. But God wants us to know if we can just make the decision not to stay stuck. Put your hands up right now and say, Father God, in the name of Jesus, help me, give me the grace not to stay stuck. Give me the grace, Father God, to make the decision that I need to make to move toward the will of God. Now we are seeing, beloved people, the Bible says she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. You know what that means? It doesn't just mean that the famine was over, but the Bible is telling us there was a visitation there was a visitation of god how many of you want to live in the visitation of god the visitation means that heaven is coming down to earth the visitation means that there is something coming from heaven and this woman made a decision that she wanted to move toward the visitation of God. You see, once we make a decision to move toward the anointing, once we make a decision to move toward the presence of God and say, God, right now we're on ad as free as I was before to serve you completely. I want to serve you with all my mind. I want to serve you with all my soul. I want to serve you with everything that I've got. I want to live in the realm of the supernatural. And you know something? To get into the realm of the supernatural, you got to leave everything behind. you got to be willing to move toward the visitation of God. This means you've got to make a decision for destiny that says, Lord, if I to go it alone i'll go it alone god if nobody goes with me i'll walk it myself i hope you understand what i'm talking about but that is the price that we have to pay for the visitation of god can i get a witness somewhere okay so the bible says she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how the Lord had visited his people and given him bread. So it doesn't say she's just going back there for bread. She's going back there to eat. Or she's going back there now she's released to go because everything's okay in Israel. No, the Bible is telling us specifically she's made a decision to leave everything behind because she wants to be in the presence of God. She can't handle it anymore. See, when we get to the point that we can't handle Moab anymore, Moab is a place of false securities. Moab is a place of denial. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? Put your hands up right now and say right now in the name of Jesus, I'm giving God permission to sever the soul tie, to sever the soul tie with denial. There are some things in our life that we have been led to believe for many years that are going to bring us security, that are going to bring us happiness, that are going to bring us peace, but we have to make it decision today to sever the soul tie with the ties of Moab and make that decision to walk toward the visitation of God. Can I get a witness somewhere? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So she made that decision and that decision was a destiny decision because one decision can change your destiny. Touch your neighbor and say, child, let me tell you something. One decision can change your whole destiny. (laughs) Hello, somebody. I said one decision can change your whole destiny. But those decisions are not always easy. Sometimes those decisions are very difficult. Making those decisions doesn't mean you're going to smile when you make it. Making those decisions doesn't mean you may not have tears running down your face when you make that decision. When you make that decision, you might be shaken. When you make that decision, you might be crying. When you make that decision, you might still have emotions that still are telling you, hold on, you need that. Or hold on, that's your security system. Okay? Those decisions are not easy to make, and we can only make them through God. But the only way that we're ever going to have the grace to make those decisions is when we want God's will more than we want anything else. Put your hands up right now and say, I want God's will more than I want anything else in my life. I want God's will, and I believe in God for his will. And once we get your will, God, we know we're going to have the grace to sever the soul tie and to get on with what God's ordained for our life. Can we get a witness somewhere? Now, now I want you to see this. She arose with her daughters-in-law, both of the girls originally started to go out with her. And this is how sometimes God, in his gentleness, he's the gentle physician. You know, when a physician, who's a gentle physician, is going to heal a wound, he didn't just go into the surgery and just tear it open, OK? And he doesn't just start extracting. No, a good physician is going to look at the wound and take it apart little by little so that it doesn't hurt so bad, OK? You got a little infection there. He's not just going to go in there and cut a big hole and not put some numbing cream on it. No, no. God is the kind of God that when we have wounds, he didn't just pull the wounds apart all at once. Things that we know were bad for us, things that were toxic, toxic relationships, toxic ties to the world, toxic ties to security systems that really didn't get us anywhere, kept us stuck. When we made that decision to break, he doesn't just put us through this painful process all at once and make us have to, to just like be like w- like we just had our arm cut off. He doesn't do that. Sometimes he allows us, when he's transitioning us, to have a little bit of that thing that was with us. He knows we're no mo- longer attached. He knows we've made the decision to change. He knows we're not gonna we're we're not gonna go back anymore. But sometimes he allows some of those things to be with us because we're not fully ready to let it go. We're still hanging on to it a little bit. We still haven't gotten the full reality, this is toxic, or this is not good, or this thing I gotta let go of. Do y'all understand what I'm talking about? So the daughter's-in-law went with her. And in in reality here, she's going to end up making the decision, I'm going to do this thing by myself. These girls are not going to go with me. But at the beginning, she did not have that ability. In the beginning, the daughter's-in-law are going with her, both of them. And they're both going to go to the land of Bethlehem. Now, let's just look at this. This thing's really creating more of a problem. Because once she gets to Bethlehem with two Moabite daughters-in-law, she's going to have the worst reputation in Israel that ever was. Because those boys broke the Torah and married Moabite girls. So now you're going to go back home with both of these girls, all right? But what we need to understand is, when she's walking on the road, she's realizing this decision to take these girls is really not good I've held on to them and now if I'm going to start a new life the past can't go with me I can't take old attitudes into my future I can't take old security systems into my future I can't take old things that I used to hold on to into my future. Even ways we used to deal with problems. When God is going to bring us into a new place, some of the old ways we dealt with problems, it's not going to go in the new place where God's bringing us. So God wants a complete transformation in order to bring complete restoration. And there are some things that we got to let go of. And right now as Naomi is walking down that road to go back to Bethlehem, she is realizing "I, I can't take these girls with Me. I can't take any part of Moab with me. Moab's got to stay here because I'm going to go and I'm going to reclaim my territory. But the Moab is what got me in trouble in the first place. I can't get any help in here. I hope somebody can help me out. The Bible says, therefore, she went forth from the place where she was. This word, went forth, is a word, yatsah, which means to break out, which means to leave that place. She went forth from the place where she was with her daughters-in-law. Hallelujah. And we're going to see something. Once she's on the road walking, she's realizing, I shouldn't have allowed them to come with me. I I should never have allowed them to walk with me here. So she tells them in verse 8, go return each of you to her mother's house and the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of, your hu- of her husband. In other words, she's saying, I hope you find new husbands because your husbands are dead. Go to your ho- the homes of your parents and... And I'm just, just return. Now, the scripture is going to show us that the two continued on, but it finally got to the point when she said it again, that Orpah, the one daughter-in-law, made the decision to go back. And the reason Naomi is telling them to go back is she's now, you see, when you make a decision to walk toward the visitation of God, you're gonna have supernatural sensitivity to know what everything is gonna, whatever it is that's gonna block that visitation. If something's going to block the anointing, if something is going to block the presence, if something is going to block your ability to hear from God, you are going to have that ability to know that because God's grace is going to be upon you to get you to that visitation. His his grace is going to accompany you on the road toward the visitation of God. Remember, Naomi has a quest, and that quest is not just to go home. That quest is to walk toward the visitation of God because that is how she's going to break out of the maze of Moab. When we make the decision to walk toward the visitation of God, things begin to change in our life and bondages begin to break and soul ties and curses that have been over our life, strongholds and witchcraft that has held us hostage is now going to break off because we're walking toward the visitation of God. doesn't really need the anointing. A person who's never gone through anything doesn't need the anointing. A person who has never had to deal with a a generational curse, a person who's never had to deal with bondage, a person that never had to deal with abuse in the family, a person who never had to deal with uh, strongholds, principalities, power, witchcraft, any kind of bondage whatsoever, they really don't need the anointing. But if you've gone through some abandonment issues, if you've gone through some abuse in your family, if you've gone through some stuff in your home, then you know that you cannot live without the anointing. You know what life would be like without the anointing. And Naomi came to the realization, I can't stay here because I've got to get back into the presence of God.
0: Does not mean God can't talk to
1: you when you're not in his will? Of course he can. Did God not talk to Naomi the whole time she was in Moab? Of course he did. But there is a difference between, between living in Moab and being out of God's will and a visitation going on and saying, I've got to have all God's got for me. I don't want to stay stuck here anymore. So the real reason she's going back is not to reclaim all of her stuff. The real reason she's going back is not to cash in on God's promises. The real reason she's going back is to just get into the presence of God. And when we have a heart that says, the only thing I want is God's presence. Get ready for God to bless you like you've never been blessed before. Get ready for God to pour out upon you his best like you've never experienced before. I don't know if you understand what I'm talking about. Okay. Naomi had no idea. What is going to wait for her on the other side of the river? As far as she's concerned, life is pretty well over. As far as she's concerned, her sons are dead. As far as she's concerned, her husband's dead. As far as she's concerned, her reputation's gone. As far as she's concerned, she's going to go back to face those people who are judging her and have to deal with wounds that have already been so excruciating in her life, she's willing to go through all that just to be into the presence of God. You know something? I'm going to tell you something. Mm-hmm. Somebody better say hmm. <laughs> I I tell you right now. You better say hmm hmm. <laughs> because I'm going to tell you something this very moment. If you are willing to give everything up for the kingdom, and you are willing to walk toward the visitation and the anointing with everything you've got. Oh, my Lord. Oh, my. Oh, my. There's no words. All I can say is, hmm, hmm. Oh, somebody help me out, Elder Tony. No, help me out with a hmm. Help me out with a hmm.
0: Help me out
1: with a hmm. Again. Tell me that again. Yeah. hum. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for a wailing. I'm looking for a hum. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. Come on, help me out. Yeah. Give me the hum. The Holy Ghost hum. Mm-hmm. You see, let me just tell you right now. Because there's no words. All I can do is hum it.
0: Okay? And I,
1: I, I can't because there's a, there's a biological disability that I can't do that. So he's going to do it for me. Do yeah. it! Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that's what I mean right now. You see, on the other side of the river, you didn't know what was waiting for you, Naomi. You thought you were giving everything up, but when you got to the other side, God had a surprise for you.
0: Can I get a witness somewhere?
1: I gotta give everything up what little bit of bondage is over here is at least something to hold on to I'm gonna walk it I'm gonna walk it alone I'm gonna get over there and I'm probably gonna have persecution I'm gonna get over there I have no idea what's gonna happen with my property and my husband's property I'm ready to face the sorrow, the darkness, the persecution, the everything. I'm willing to trust God for everything that I have. And I'm telling these girls right now, girls, I love you. Girls, you've been kind. you've been great daughters-in-law. but but sweethearts, I can't take you where I'm going. You're going to have to stay back here because i got to work this thing out myself. Hello, somebody. You need to say, God, I need to work this thing out myself. Work it out myself. So she tells him, Return. One kind of stays a few more miles. She says, return again. Orpah turns around. She kisses her mother-in-law. She cries and lifts up her voice to weep. She turns around and goes back home. And Naomi says to Ruth, look at your sister-in-law. She went back to her home and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Go ahead and go with her. But now we're gonna see something. Just when you make the decision, you don't know how you're gonna make it, but you threw yourself into the Red Sea. Hello. You don't know how you're gonna make it to the other side. No security at all. Not anything. No money. No human being. No more security you know you had to make the decision. Oh, here's where the hum comes in. The very first thing, that little girl, that second girl right there that you were telling to go back, that you were willing to give up, God says, I'm going to surprise you because I knew from the very beginning you were going to go back an older woman. And I knew from the very beginning you were not going to have a penny to your name. And I knew from the very beginning you were going to walk through this desert by yourself. And I knew from the very beginning that you were going to, with tears running down your face, mourning over the loss of your sons and your husband, and you were just willing to trust me for everything. I already knew that. And I already assigned the person that's going to take care of you this you didn't even know that's right there with you. I've already got it covered. I got the whole thing covered, but you didn't know the blessing that was right beside you. Touch your neighbor and say, what you need is in your, it's right there in your atmosphere. What you need is standing right beside you. What you need is already in your house. I can't get any help in here. Somebody ought to say, Was right there in your house. You didn't know that everything you needed to make it on your journey was right there in front of you. She tells Ruth, you go back. She tells Ruth, go back after your sister in law. Because she gone home
0: to her mother, her father, and to her
1: gods. Ruth says, Don't entreat me. Ever turn from following after you? I'm not leaving. Where you go, I'm gonna go. Where you lodge, here I'm gonna lodge. I'm gonna leave everything behind to go with you into the land of Israel. Where you die. I'm going to be buried. And the only thing that is going to separate you from me is death. I'm committed unto death to take care of you and to be with you. Shock. No one would have ever expected. God's got this gal already set aside. To take care of Naomi. Because you see, when you choose the visitation of God, when you choose the anointing, when you choose to walk toward the things of God more than anything else in this world, when you make that decision that the anointing is number one in your life, God will provide everything that you need. Hello, somebody. Can I get a witness? Touch your neighbor and say, neighbor, you didn't know that your Ruth is right there. If you just make the decision to follow God, your Ruth is right there. All right. So she made that one decision for destiny. Now, I'm going to show you something. The thing that brought you the most humiliation is the very thing that's going to bring your highest elevation in God. What do you mean by that, Dr. Corral? My humiliation? Do you know how humiliated I've been? Dr. Corral, if somebody knew what went on behind the scenes in my life, they probably wouldn't believe it. Things that I've been through. Hello, I'm talking to somebody here. I'm saying I'm saying what I'm feeling in my spirit is happening here. Some of us are saying uh, I, uh, the humiliation that you've been through, and some of you would say if anybody in this room knew what you were what you went through, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't believe it. Okay, Ruth went through, or excuse me, Naomi went through tremendous humiliation by bringing Ruth back to the Holy Land with her this girl was going to be an additional source of scandal. Because there was already headlines, Naomi, flash. Naomi, wife of Elimelech, returns to Bethlehem. Flash, richest lady that was in Bethlehem comes back penniless. Flash, her sons are dead, her husband is dead. Flash, they were selfish. They went to Moab and didn't share with anybody. Flash. she's coming back with a daughter-in-law that's a Moabite. Okay, mm, But she just allowed that daughter-in-law to be with her because she knew that daughter-in-law was really converted to the God of Israel and that that daughter-in-law was going to enhance the visitation of God. You see, anything that's going to bring the visitation of God, bring it with you. Anything that's one in the spirit with you, that's going to agree with you, that is enhancing the, the visitation of God, bring it with you. And that's what she did. And do you know that when she got there, she was not able to financially take care of herself? She was not able to even pick the grain out of the field herself for humiliation purposes. She was too humiliated to go and pick the grain because that's what the paupers do. It would have been a worse scandal, but God already protected that too. God said, wait, you're going to be here a few weeks. You made this decision to come back, but don't worry, I got everything covered. I got all the bases covered because the roof that I'm sending with you is going to cover those bases too. When you get home, you're not going to have to worry about going into the field Because she's going to love you so much. She's going to go out into the field for you and get that stuff for you and bring it back. That's how great the grace of God is. You see, once you make the visitation, you make the decision to walk toward the visitation of God, God's got everything covered, all right? So I want you to see what ends up happening, and I want you to see this is a word for you today. This is a prophetic word because the type of restoration that God is going to give you, I want you to understand there are three secrets of restoration that God gave to Naomi that I believe God is giving to you. Number one, regained reputation. Say it with me. Number two, divine compensation. And number three, supernatural restoration. Say it with me. Supernatural restoration. Say this with me. Regained reputation, divine compensation, and supernatural restoration. This is exactly what's going to happen. All right. If we jump ahead and we understand that Boaz, who is the kinsman of Ruth, who is, excuse me, the kinsman of Naomi, is going to marry Ruth. In Ruth chapter four, we are going to see all three of these areas of restoration released into the life of Naomi. I want you to see um, Ruth chapter four, verse 15. Because I want you to see if she could have just, if she could have just known what was waiting for her. If she could have just known what she's gonna get back by seeking God first and seeking the visitation of God. If she could have just known how this whole thing was gonna turn around, if she could have just known what God's gonna give her back for all of her losses, if she had just known when she made that decision, she's gonna get her reputation back, she's gonna get her lands back, she's going to get her, um, even the a son back, she's even going to get a child back, she's going to get everything back, every single thing that she lost in Moab, God is going to give her back when she walks toward the visitation of God, touch your neighbor and say, when I get out from under the, when I get under the anointing, Every bondage in my life is going to break. The Bible says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Touch your neighbor and say, I can't afford to get out from under the anointing. Here's the results of going toward the visitation of God. Put your hand up and say, this is why I want the anointing. Because I love God so much. And these are the fruits of it. All right, number one, we are going to see, look at Ruth 4.15. The Bible says, and he, meaning the Lord, shall be a restorer of thy life and a nourisher of thy old age. Okay, that word, he shall be a restorer of thy life, this is a word in Hebrew that which literally means he's going to be a reverser of thy life. Say this with me. He shall be to me a reverser. Of my life and a nourisher all the days of my life. Somebody ought to give God the praise. Shall be a reverser of my life. Let me show you how. She's going to get this all back because this is what happens when we come near the visitation of God. You see, touch your neighbor and say, you can't afford to be out of the anointing. You can't afford to be out of the visitation, especially if you've gone through some things in your life. You need to be under that visitation. Number one, regained reputation. Go with me to Ruth chapter 4, and we are going to look at Ruth chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 11. The Bible says, and the people that were in the gate and the elders— said, we are witnesses. The Lord make the woman. Now, let me tell you, this is the marriage of Ruth and Boaz, the elders in the gate that are now blessing this Moabitess to marry Boaz. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 23, verse 3, no Moabite or Ammonite can enter the congregation of the Lord even to the 10th generation. She was banned from Israel. But now God is doing such a divine reversal. A divine reversal because of Naomi and a divine reversal because of Ruth. There is something about God because of Ruth's kindness toward Naomi. Now all the doors of divine reversal are opened. Touch your neighbor and say never shut the doors of divine reversal. See, what's going to happen is Ruth is going to manifest the actually the absolute opposite of what her husband was. Her husband was stingy? Her husband was selfish? Her husband wanted to hightail it to Moab because he didn't want to share with anybody. And now here's Ruth, who's gonna undo that whole thing by her kindness, by her taking care of Naomi, and by her love for the God of Israel. okay? And because they're in they're in the land of visitation, Because they're in the land where the anointing is falling. Because they're in the land where the Lord is visiting his people. Hold on. There's no limits to what you're going to get back. Hold on. There's no limits to what God's going to do for you. Hold on. When you're in the place where God is visiting his people. When when you are in the place where God is visiting his people. There is no limit to what God is going to do for you. Can I get a witness somewhere? So here's the blessing. The elders of the land, during the marriage of Mo, Boaz and Ruth, they've all agreed, and they all are saying she's an incredible woman. And the Bible says in verse 11, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 11, second line, the Lord make this woman that is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah. Wait a minute. You're telling us the Moabitess is going to have the same status? As Rachel and Leah, you mean the elders of Bethlehem that are the judges are going to rise up and call this Moabite woman like Rachel and Leah the matriarchs of Israel? Wow. You know what that's telling us? That's telling us this is not just some half fly-by-night words that are said. They are blessing Ruth with a braha to be like Rachel and Leah. They saw in her royalty. They saw in her something that she didn't even see in herself. And as a result, Naomi's reputation is going to be totally regained. Why? Because Boaz is the most influential man in all of Bethlehem. And now the elders of the city are calling Ruth, the, the, the woman who's going to be like Leah. And And Rachel, something is happening. She is receiving an anointing of a total divine reversal for her reputation. Say this with me. Regained reputation. You see, regained reputation is almost impossible. It's almost impossible for a person's reputation to be regained. That's one of the hardest things in the world. When there's been a scandal, oh, God. If you look in the back and the past and you you look like for example the wonderful woman of God it was so used in the last generation Catherine Coleman when when it was I'm at the tail end of her life you know she died in 1976 February 20th 1976 I came to the Lord in 71 so I had about 5 years of being being um, aware and having the privilege of being in her meetings from time to time, all right? But we who were the tail end of her ministry had no idea what she'd been through. And we didn't know there was a little scandal that 30 years earlier was looming over her head. It wasn't actually looming. It was gone. It was completely gone. And when she used to say... From the stage, when she used to say, oh, the great salvation that my Redeemer has brought to me, I used to think to myself as a young girl, what did she possibly do? I used to think, "How how could Catherine Coleman say that about herself? That's impossible. She's the holiest lady that ever lived. That's what I used to think. All right? And she went through a death experience. She went through an experience where she gave everything to the Lord. And we didn't know about any of this till long after her death. But you know what? It took her about 15 years from one mistake that turned into a miracle. It took her 15 years to get that reputation back. And it wasn't easy. Every time she'd go to preach somewhere pastor that knew her past would write to the pastor or they would call the pastor. She'd finally be up to preach somewhere and the pastor would call. Maybe she's preaching in Minnesota. The pastor would somehow find out. They'd call the pastor in Minnesota and say, you're having Catherine Kuhlman. You better better watch out. You better not have her. And they'd cancel her. Then this would happen again. This happened all throughout her early years of ministry, continuously. And every time she'd go to preach, it never failed. But you know what? She kept trying to preach. She never gave it up. And you know something? When God sees that you're willing to do anything to serve him, even press past a reputation like that, in those days, it was was a divorce. In those days, you couldn't do that. Back in the 40s, you couldn't do that. Nowadays, it doesn't even—it's not a—it's not a, it's not a, a an, an issue, but in the '40s, it was a big issue. And the there, even though there were no children involved, it was a tad scandalous. And um, and it was not just the divorce; the issues around it were a tad scandalous. And and I was shocked after her death when I found out about it, but it didn't change my opinion of her. I love her so much, and. And I was in that those services and I felt the anointing. And if the Holy Ghost put his presence there, then that's, my, that's all I need is the anointing to prove that this person is of God. <laughs> and, and she would just go from place to place to do everything to preach and it never failed. They'd make a phone call, they'd send a letter. Finally one day, she was going to go preach in a place and a mailman of all people. A mailman really loved her because he heard her on the radio. And he had an idea that the letter that was going to a pastor was full of don't have Catherine Coleman. So, do you know what that mailman did? <laughs> that mailman knocked on Miss Coleman's door and said, I think you might want this. He gave her the letter. She opened it up. It was another another don't have Catherine Kuhlman letter but it never got to the pastor because the mailman intercepted it I thank God for that mailman because if that mailman never did that I wouldn't be standing here today somebody ought to say thank God for the little mailman who stepped in little man, she went and she preached in that man's church, that pastor's church. They didn't find out about it till a long time after. And by then, it was way too late, because she'd already reestablished her reputation. Hello, somebody. Nobody's going to listen to some old wine bottle that thinks they got it all together. Because when Miss Kuman, when she began to minister, that's when the miracle ministry began. All right? That's when the miracle ministry began. And she writes in her book. Well, those who Miss Kuhlman never wrote about herself. When Jamie Buckingham wrote about this instance, he tells us that every year on that mailman's birthday, Catherine Kuhlman sent him flowers. Every single year, that Catherine Kuhlman sent him flowers. Hello, somebody. Somebody ought to give God the praise. And somebody ought to say, child, get ready for your reputation to come back. But this time, it's not going to be you. It's going to be God. And God is going to give you double for your shame. Somebody ought to say double for your shame. Can I get a witness? Reputation. And the scripture says it again. Not only once, but the scripture says it again. Verse 13 So Boaz took Ruth, and she was his wife, and he went in unto her, and he gave her conception. Verse 14 And the woman, the women, these are the women of Bethlehem, said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which has not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. Notice if you go back to verse 11, the scripture is saying here, Make this woman like Rachel and Leah, but look at the last line. And do thou worthily in Ephrata, and be thou famous in Bethlehem. God gave her back, her reputation, everything that she had lost, she got back double for her shame. Somebody ought to give God... Oh my. Second thing that God wants you to know that when you walk toward the visitation of God, you are not only going to get back a regained reputation, but child, there's some divine compensation that God's going to give you for some things that you've been through. See, you thought you were barely making it. She, uh, Naomi had no idea. She was just really willing to crawl to Bethlehem. She had no idea what was waiting for her on the other side. She would have never in a million years dreamed that the land that Malon owned, the land that Kilion owned, and the land that Elimelech owned, three parcels of property, that she was going to be able to sell it to a kinsman, and the kinsman was going to redeem the property, that the name of the dead would not be lifted off the land of Israel, and that the daughter-in-law was in the package, that she also was going to marry that kinsman that was so well to do, so that God is now going to do something for Naomi. If you and I see this, and we look at this, the Bible says, this is what Boaz says to the whole elders. And the Bible says in verse 9, And Boaz said to the elders unto the people, You are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's and all that was Kilion's and Malon's at the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. You see, there was an issue. This was a law in Israel that the nearest of kin would never allow the name of the dead to be lost in Israel. But in this case, because uh, Ruth being a Moabitess, and in this case, concerning all the scandal that's been going on for so long, they were reluctant to do so. And the reason Boaz did not initially instigate it is he was not the nearest of kin. The one who was the nearest of kin refused to do it because he said, my reputation is going to be marred if I do this. But I want you to know God's got something planned for those who walk toward the visitation of God. Put your hand up right now and say, God, I've got to walk toward the visitation. I've got to walk toward the anointing. Hallelujah. I've got to walk toward everything that God's got for me. Now, I want you to understand something. When you're in the visitation of God, things in the realm of the spirit are not like things of earth things begin to shift. Biological changes take place when you're in the visitation of God. Things begin to happen, and we begin to operate in a realm where there's no male or female, where there's no bond or free, where there is no Jew or Gentile. We begin to start operating in a realm when we begin to go toward the visitation of God. Galatians 3.23 comes into full action, for there is neither male nor female bond or free, Scythian or Greek. There is neither Jew or Gentile. Dr. Corral, what are you talking about? I'm going to tell you right now. When we operate in the realm of the spirit, things of the earth begin to pass and the laws of the things of the earth begin to pass away because we're now operating under the laws and principles of heaven where there is no time hallelujah where there is no nothing to stop what's going on i'm going to tell you somebody ought to get ready to walk toward the visitation of god let me tell you what's going on here. Now, Ruth and Boaz are going to have a child. But you need to understand something. God says this restoration process for Naomi is not over. God is saying, we still got some issues here from being a mother who had her children suddenly taken out from under her and have her children die in the land of Moab because of her husband's deadly decision. And God is saying, now that you're in the visitation, I'm going to do some things with your own physical body. I'm going to do some things because now we're in a realm where there are no You see, when you're in the realm of the spirit, biological um, incapabilities and biological um, deficits cannot stop you from doing what God's got you to do. Let me explain what's happening here. Look at the word of the living God. All right. The Bible says, now Naomi is an older woman. The Bible says in verse 14, if we look at verse 13, the Lord gave conception to Ruth and she bare a son. Now, this is not Naomi's son. This is Ruth's son. The Bible says, and the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you without a kinsman to make his name famous in Israel. Now, watch this. And he shall be a restorer of your life and a nourisher of that old age. Going down to verse 16. And Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom and became nurse to it. Hello. Hello. Maybe you didn't hear that right. This is not Naomi's child. This is Ruth's child. But God is saying, the restoration that I am bringing to Naomi, that somehow this experience has got to take place. It's as if it's her own child, even though it's not her child. God is doing something in the realm of restoration for Naomi. Now watch this. Watch what the scripture says. See, to us, we don't live in the village, and we don't live back in the Bible days. So to us, this seems a little bit uncomfortable, but I'm going to read it anyway. We'll get past our discomfort in a minute. Touch your neighbor and say, we just got to get out of the discomfort for a moment and get into the reality of what God's word is telling us. So just shut down the the little things that we think right now are stopping us from hearing what God wants us to understand because there is a spiritual truth here about God when we get into the presence of God things that we had need for, things that are are our own physical um, disabilities in our bodies or incapabilities in our body will no longer have to be bound by that because the anointing breaks the yoke. Do you understand what I'm talking about here? Watch what the Bible says. Verse 17. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, the child. There is a son born to Naomi. It's not Naomi's child. It's Ruth's child. But they all understood that God is doing a miracle here. He's healing the memories of Naomi. He's healing all of the sorrow of losing her sons by giving her another son. Touch your neighbor and say supernatural restoration. We're not just talking about physical restoration, we're talking about emotional restoration, we're talking about spiritual restoration, we're not just talking about a little bit of restoration, we are talking about complete and absolute restoration, can I get a witness somewhere, you see, as we're closing here today, I want to tell you this, There is a time when God can actually turn back time. Restoration can be so strong in your life that God is doing that it can be as if the thing never happened. You know what the word shuv means in Hebrew. The Bible says Naomi returned from the country of Moab. She returned. When the Bible says return, that word return is the word shuv, which means to return to the beginning, the destination from the very beginning, to go back to the beginning point. God is taking us all back to begin again. This is the season in Pentecost to begin again. Everything's going to become new. The scripture is showing us here, beloved saints, that. Naomi is an example that God can even turn back time. He can do anything to restore broken emotions, broken feelings, broken shocking experiences that we all go through. These experiences that that Naomi went through that are so devastating, if we look here just for a moment, I want us to see here the Bible says in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, this is a Pentecost scripture. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, my great army among you. You see, when it's time for God to restore, he's gonna restore everything. And the restoration is gonna be so supernatural. He's gonna give you restoration of your reputation. He's going to bring you divine compensation. And he's going to bring you supernatural restoration emotionally, spiritually, physically, every way when you walk toward the visitation of God. I want you to stand to your feet. And I want you to begin to start praising God. It's a miracle does it make sense to us, but if it's in the Bible, I believe it. You see, there was another man many years ago by the name of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah had a death sentence over his life. The prophet Isaiah came to him who was his wonderful friend and companion. Prophet Isaiah did not come to pronounce judgment. He came to give him a a warning so he could get everything together. Because he said, get your house in order because you're going to die and not live. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall. And the Bible says he began to pray and he said, oh God. The Bible says he said it with tears. I've served you with a perfect heart and in truth. And the Bible says, as soon as Isaiah hit the middle court, he didn't even get out of the building, that the Lord said, turn again and go and tell this to Hezekiah. The Lord says, I'm going to heal you. And you're going to go up to the house of the Lord on the third day. And you're going to worship. And God also said, and the king of Assyria, I'm going to deliver this land. And the Assyrians are, the Assyrians are not going to invade this land and I'm going to deliver this city for the sake of David. Because the death sentence was over him to try to take him out for the greatest miracle God was going to do in his life. And Hezekiah said, how will I know that the Lord is going to heal me on the third day? And how do I know that I'm going to go up to the house to the Lord to worship. See, Hezekiah's father, his name was Ahaz, and he invented what was called a sundial. It's like a modern way of telling time in biblical times. The rays of the sun would hit the sundial, and a shadow would be cast from the sun on the sundial, and people had... um, An early primitive way of telling time. It was a unique, witty invention that Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah, invented. And Isaiah said to him, Which way do you want the sundial to go? Do you want the sundial, I'm going to pray, God's going to give you a sign. Do you want the sundial to go forward? Or do you want the sundial to go backwards? And Hezekiah said, it's a, lo- it's a really easy thing for the sundial to go forward. So I'm going to ask God for a difficult sign. Let the sundial go backwards. And I know that what God has promised me is going to come to pass. And the Bible says Isaiah prayed for Hezekiah. And the sundial went backwards. You know what that means? That means, in a sense, because God is now sparing his life and going to add 15 years to it, that the sundial going backwards means, in a sense, in a spiritual sense, it's like God turning back time. You see, this is what happens when he brings restoration. It's like he's turning back time. It's like years that were wasted. It's like things that we've never experienced before or things that were taken from us, experiences that we never were able to fully experience from the enemy. God wants to restore it back. And when we get into the visitation of God, God brings those things back into our life. God is a God who turns back time in our life.
0: Thank you for joining us today. It is our prayer that this word broke bondages and will open doors for you. If you have never received Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life, invite him now to be your Lord and Savior and best friend. Repeat this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. Wash me clean from all my sins. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you soon.